Hi, welcome to the Penis Project podcast. This is the place to come to find out everything you've always wanted to know about men's health but were too embarrassed to ask. Join physiotherapist Dr. Joe Milios and sexologist nurse practitioner Melissa Hadley Barrett as they talk to real men and the experts about men's private parts. Have a burning question you really want to know the answer to? Please subscribe to our website at thepenisproject.org and just ask us. There's too much talking, texting, tweeting, posting. Too much noise altogether. In silence is strength and peace and space. Imagine silence forever. The Penis Project podcast is proudly supported and sponsored by PROST, Exercise for Prostate Cancer, and the RS Health Penile Rehabilitation Program. PROST is a not-for-profit charity set up by myself in 2012 that aims to help men exercise during their experience with prostate cancer. If you want to know anything more about PROST, including our online service and USB product now available, please just go to prost.com.au. Hi, I'm Melissa Hadley-Barrett and I designed the Penile Rehabilitation Program to help men recover from prostate cancer. It's an online program built on decades worth of knowledge and experience and practice. It's the only one of its kind in the world and it actually works. So if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer and want to get your penis working again as quickly as possible, and why wouldn't you, then visit penilerehabilitationprogram.com and you'll be off and running. And it only takes about 15 minutes a day. All the best with your recovery, which I promise will never be as bad as you think. November 11, 11am, 60 seconds, kids watch on the wall. In the pub, in the tab, in the cars, we remember... Welcome to the Penis Project podcast. Today, Joe and I are talking to Harry and Megan. So the coronation was on Saturday, so we're going with the whole royal theme. Harry and Megan have been married 37 years. I wonder if the real Harry and Megan will. My bets are definitely <laughs> not. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so today we are talking to Harry and Megan about their prostate cancer journey. So welcome. G'day, how are you? I'm... Uh, Harry. <laughs> and I'm Megan. <laughs> and I'm Joe. <laughs> okay. Now, we met a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was – August was my operation last year. Oh, no, year. no, sorry. Only one year ago. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Only, Seems yep. like two. Yeah, yeah. August 22. And you came as a very jovial couple, I recall. Great yeah. sense of humour. Great friendship between the pair of you. So, it's awesome to have you both here today. Oh, Thank you. Day. Thank you. So where we're going to start is something very interesting. I had a discussion with you about pelvic floor exercises. Yes. And we talked about lifting the nuts to the guts. Yeah, I've been <laughs> doing that and still doing it. There's <laughs> a little bit of a story that you'd had a, a past past problem that had reared itself. A little bit of a testicular cancer. Ah, uh, yeah, that was way back when I was about 40. Well, not quite, 39 at the time. And, uh, yeah, my wife picked that one up. Mm, exactly. I won't 20 tell you years. how, but, yeah, <laughs> it, well, it came should, along. I think you should tell us how Megan found that. Oh, okay. Well, a, a lip's kind of... No, it <laughs> No, wasn't. it wasn't. Her hand... I'll tell the story. <laughs> okay, back to um, Megan. I actually had an atrophied testicle well, that we were told was atrophied. His right testicle shrunk and we went to this doctor and they did ultrasound and they just said it was atrophied 
not to worry about it. And then fast forward probably about seven years and said, oh, my right testicles, my right nuts growing back was actually how he said it. Oh, "Oh, okay. Okay, well, maybe that happens. Anyway, I looked, you know, I did a bit of research and stuff and then one night when we were engaging in a bit of activity and I said, well, that doesn't feel right. You need to get it checked. And anyway, so we found out just after Christmas 2002 that it was testicular cancer and he was operated on on, on New Year's Eve and had his right testicle removed. Mm, missed out on the party. And radiotherapy after that and then 20 years of being fine until April 22 was PSA was a bit elevated and hence the path we've been on since. Yeah, prostrate out, robotic. At the, at the time Harry had a couple of raised lymph nodes in his groin, had an MRI for the prostate but they also picked up the lymphoma at the same time. And then we're sort of back and forth with different doctors, haematologist and a urologist. And in the end, the lymphoma was more of an indolent type. So they suggested the prostate. And be prioritised. Yeah, be prioritised. The prostate was prioritised because that was curable and the non-Hodgkin's is not curable. Here you go. So what treatment have you been having for that? If anything. For the prostrate, nothing. No, for the... Oh, for the lymphoma, nothing at the moment, no. I'm just virtually honest, watch Watch, and wait. Watch and wait. And is that Mm -hmm. just assessed by blood tests? Yeah, yeah. mainly blood tests and then go and see the... Uh, PET scan. Yeah. You're like a cat with nine lives, aren't you? You've used (laughs) up three of them already. Yeah, pretty well. (laughs) But so for people, because they can't see you, Harry, like I think it's important to note that you're 59 years of age. A bit like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, (laughs) and you're still working, aren't you? And you've got a really physical job as a builder. Yeah, pretty well. And you look really well. So if anyone out there is envisaging like decrepit old bloke (laughs) with all these illnesses, he's not. And also, can I ask, after the testicular cancer, was there any change in your sexual function? No, it was fine. It actually felt like you still had your... testicle there like it was like a phantom I don't know like a phantom testy <laughs> so no everything worked well everything still worked yeah, perfectly yeah. Yeah. yeah that's great because uh, we've interviewed other people with testicular cancer who have had a lot of troubles with their erections post that no I was fine no no fine that's great and did you have your kids before or yeah, after yeah prior because we, we were given that option when Harry had to do radiotherapy because I said it could affect the sperm fertility. the fertility mm. But we already had four children, so we weren't interested in any more. Wow. So mm. It's so hard to look at you, Megan, and imagine you've had four children. And you haven't even had all the nannies and everything that go with royalty to, like, keep you in this good shape. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. no, it's – yeah, well, we have six little grandchildren too, so. Wow. Yeah, yeah. it's good. So when you got diagnosed with prostate cancer then, after you'd already had these other two diagnoses, was that like, Jesus, what's going on? Or were you just like, oh, it's just another battle? Just no, another hiccup mainly. Well, the the well, lymphoma was most probably a bit more well, of a hiccup because it's always there. It was actually the, the lymphoma and the prostate were diagnosed at the same time. Wow, that's mm. really unlucky. Mm. Harry had an MRI and the urologist called us, or called Harry, so they had a cancellation. <laughs> 
for the next day. And anyway, he had to have an, another MRI and that was when they... Because the MRI place rang and said that they think he has a lymphoma. And so we were diagnosed on the 28th of June. With both? With both. That must have been a real shock for you both. What a day. Yeah, yeah it, it was. It was pretty shit, yeah. to be honest, yeah. Mm. Quite blindsided, to, to be fair. Yeah. yeah, that's really shit. Yeah. So you then went along and had your prostatectomy. How did all that go? That went really well. I kind of... It was a good experience, actually, because I got to meet the doctor beforehand and then even when I went in, he was real good and then virtually saw all the robot and different things to what was going to do the job, so I was pretty comfortable with it all. Okay, you're losing a part of you, but you're gaining another part, I suppose. That's why we're here. (laughs) Uh, And that tends to work pretty well. Could have done with that a few times, maybe in my earlier years, but... What all went well. Oh, you what, mean what, what? What could you have done with it earlier years? <laughs> a bit of that juice. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll let Joe finish with the wee problems, and then we'll go to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always like to have a few questions here. You wore the consonants pads. How did you find that? I mainly, I mainly wore them if I needed to go out pretty well throughout the day and different times. I didn't even worry about them, and I didn't really have to use them too much which was fine. I kept on doing all my pelvic floors or whatever they are, nuts to guts. You used to say suck the nuts. Suck the nuts, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and things like that. But And the exercises, I kind of still got them visually in my head. Fantastic. So they all helped. And uh, You didn't really, have, didn't really have many issues. No, it was pretty quick, wasn't it? Mm. I've already written that you were only wearing pads for about one month and that was not much at all, just... Fairly precautionary most of the time. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that, that side of things. It was mainly if you had to go out of a night, I found mm-hmm. more or less when you, I don't know, just come in of a night time around the 4.30, 5 o'clock and you're just kind of getting relaxed and all of a sudden you're kind of, oh, my God, <laughs> dripping out. And then slowly, slowly, like it's been, what now, four or five months and it's pretty good. I'm really good. Do you get up through the night to empty your bladder? Sometimes more than others. I, I tend to find if I kind of cut back on the drinking, as in coffees, teas, water's not too bad. But if I don't have any from 4.30, 5 o'clock, I'm pretty good. I can virtually maybe once a night. Okay. And what about alcohol? Does that affect your bladder much? Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's a biggie. Yeah, beer. Kinda beer is always the one. Yeah, beer yeah. more than wine. Yeah, wine's, mm. wine's pretty good. Wine doesn't affect it too much, but beer, it kind of, you can have a couple of pints or whatever and then you feel pretty good and then it's kind of later on, about two, three hours down the track, you think you're all weed out. Well, yeah, here it comes Keep again. Keep on coming. Yeah, so yeah. you kind of, yeah, beer's kind of, no, no, I've kind of cut out a bit of it. I think it's the volumes as well. So, you know, red yeah. wine. Bit yeah. easier to slowly sip on than chucking back a pint yeah. or two. Yeah, but some sometimes too, if you think about it more, I yeah. reckon it does it as yeah. well. If yeah. you're kind of doing things and keeping busy, you you don't tend to drip out, <laughs> which is kind of what I do. <laughs> Luke, yeah, that's uh, a fair enough summary. So, yeah, Harry, Harry did spectacularly well, really, and it's good good to see that you're still continuing doing your exercises. 
I'm not too much these days. <laughs> Can I ask you, Joe? do you think the fact that Harry has like a job where he's climbing around on scaffolding and roofs and things like that helps with the strength of the pelvic floor? Like these kind of guys that had these physical jobs, do you think that sets them up better for post or not really? Oh, definitely. So if you have a more sedentary job and you're sitting down all day, mm. you don't tend to have anywhere near as much strength in the pelvic floor. So, yeah, you can pretty much bet anyone who's got a physical job is usually going to have a quicker yeah, recovery on that side of it. So, yeah, great question. So, I remember. So, then let's talk about the sex bit. Let's talk about sex. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> we really should have had that as our theme song. So, what you had your surgery in August and then we started using injections in September because you were really keen to get going, which is great. Yeah. And the one thing you told me, which I thought was hilarious, that it was so good that you were giving yourself a little dose before you went to the pisser in front of the boys because it made your dick look bigger. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's good for the urinals. <laughs> uh, I cracked up when uh, I... Not when it's right up. <laughs> no, no, just when it's like... Just, know, really when, it's, when it's on its way down, it's <laughs> yeah, like really it, impressive. Yeah. Everyone who yeah. was a grower is now yeah, a shower. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. 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 So were you, how did you feel about using the injections at the beginning, both of you? Like what, what were your feelings when we um, first talked about them? Well, you've got to be pretty well up front and try anything to keep it all going. So, yeah, it was definitely a was, yeah. opportunity where you just thought, yeah, let's do it. Let's go for it. So, What about you, Megan? What did you think? Some, sometimes you probably miss that spontaneity, I suppose. Yeah. It has to be probably a bit more planned, mm-hmm. you know, because it's sort of not like you could just lay in bed and cuddle and then do it. Know, just randomly sort of happens. It has to be kind of a set sort of process, I suppose. That part we've it's probably been tough at times, but we just kind of have a laugh. It's like we just have time to prick the dick or something. Like <laughs> we could just kind of try and make light of it. Otherwise you end up, you know, you'd probably cry or something like that, to be really mm. honest. Yeah. And, you, yeah, you just just probably got to plan it. And you have to make the effort, I suppose, because I can know sometimes that, you know, Harry is one, two, three, go, go, you know, yeah. to, for the injection. I think yeah, he, I, he I'm finds kind of it a hard. bit of a sook sometimes. <laughs> and does it ever hurt? Oh, sorry. Well, I, no, it doesn't really. I don't think it's the fact that it hurts. It's just the fact sometimes with the unknown, as in there's been a couple of times where you might have put a little bit too much in and then you've kind of gone for it and then it's one where it really makes it throb on the end and all that and then two, three hours or two and a bit hours later it, you're still there so you kind of got to have a... Shower and do this and do that. Make it go down. Feds, yeah. Yeah. To get it back. So that's a bit of an effort. But uh, nah, it all depends how you are mentally too, I think. to If you're really raring to go, you just get it and jab her in and get going. Because you, yeah, I guess you're horny. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then, and then what about, do you feel as though it's reduced your libido because you know you have to do it or it doesn't sound it to me uh, but do you think it has no i don't no i don't think no it hasn't no, no. it hasn't uh, it is what it is like yeah. you've just got to make it happen as best you can i guess i just think so. with those three illnesses you know like those like the testicular cancer 20 years ago then the prostate cancer and the lymphoma it like really is amazing that you've had such a good recovery yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I think mentally I'm pretty good. <laughs> so you had your 37-year wedding anniversary, didn't you, not long yeah, ago? Because yeah, yeah. I remember, because I think I saw you a couple of days before and I gave you a super-duper special yeah. for the occasion, happy anniversary <laughs> with a smiley face. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah that was pretty good. So what's the secret of staying married 37 years? Because usually Joe and I just talk all about, like, how do you get it to work and, you know, how do you stop wetting yourself and all of that. But what's what do you think the secret is of actually still – because you obviously still like each other. <laughs> and, like, what's the secret? I'll let, you I'll go, let, Megan. I'll let Megan say this one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, it probably is just mm. probably being good friends as well, I suppose. You don't really have any secrets. Or not se- no. You know, like, you just – I can – I just can read Harry. I can <laughs> read Harry. I just <laughs> – We've probably grown together, I suppose. We've grown from, you know, when we were young and we're married, you know, married young and stuff and had our kids, our children young, travelled extensively. with. So we've sort of had a, a good friendship as well as, you know, You've got to do friends a lot of and lovers. Together. Yeah, just I think we, we try and, and do a lot And then you've also together. got to have your own space as well. So yeah. I think yeah. we've got a pretty good balance. Yeah, yeah and, and you have along the way, yeah, it's not all smooth sailing, you know. You have, no. You know, bumpy passages yeah. along the way and stuff like that. And, you know, probably has, you know, been tough. Probably sometimes when it has his diagnosis being the other person for the kid. You know, you try and stay strong for the kids and, and stuff. That's tough. Yeah, it would have been tough the 20 years ago because yeah, your kids really would have... Yeah, it tough. I had four little ones. It was mm. really tough. That would have been really frightening, um, I imagine. Yeah, just sort of we're actually getting ready to go to swimming lessons <laughs> when the doctor rang, you know, and I just knew straight away. Anyway, when he asked, is there, and I said, it's testicular cancer, isn't it? And he said, yeah, so I kind of knew anyway. And we sort of, and it was kind of like, it was really fast. Like this time, it was just really fast. There was no... Not really any pre warning of being of sick, you know, like it's not like you, you know, you hear people losing weight or mm. you know, they've had pain or you know, hot sweats or something, you know, night sweats or something. It was nothing, it was just sort of incidentally found mm. all three, really. Yeah, it's which is interesting, isn't it? And like, it's great that you hear it so often that the partner, when a woman has breast cancer, that the partner's found the lump, or in your case, yeah. you know, yeah. Megan found your lump, Harry, and you know, actually thought that's not normal you know mm. and and to be to be really honest did have like a couple of lymph nodes come up under his armpit it was virtually not long after the third booster of vaccination that that happened yeah and that also happened to our son and you know a few other people that had raised nodes so we really didn't think anything of it because mm. we just put it down to to that and then when went for the biopsy after he was called back in after his MRI when they suspected it was a lymphoma, the actual doctor did say that they had had quite a few situations like that with enlarged lymph nodes after the vaccination. So that was why we were kind of a bit oblivious of course. to it because we... Sort of thought it was a reaction. We thought, mm. Yeah, we thought it was a reaction and it actually wasn't. Or whether mm. having that and then with the immune system it... It kind of triggered them to react more, but there was an underlying problem. Cause, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's interesting. And sorry, back to how you stayed married, happily married for yeah. so long. I think you said something at the beginning that interests me. It's like you've obviously travelled a lot together and done a lot of things. Like mm. to me, I think that's the secret of long relationships is doing things together, yeah. like you know, having common interests and yeah. and hanging out and having a laugh. Like every time I've seen you two, you've been giggling, and I think that's important. 
Yeah, yeah no, it is. We're pretty good. We tend to do a lot with the kids, even now with the grandkids and different things like that. And I don't know, you just get on with it and keep busy and and keep looking good, you know. <laughs> and mind you, you do both look very good. What about fatigue with all these different things going on? Do you get much fatigue or? No, I don't. I don't. I thought I would. There's different times where, I don't know, dif- different times most probably when I do feel a little bit down, I guess. I do feel a bit like that, but it's pretty rare, eh? I but there are times. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a lot lot to take on mm. and you've got a lot of responsibilities still working. You work physically. Especially, How many hours a day? Well, you're self-employed, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're definitely around long, the 12. A long, long By the time you work and then and do a few other things or whatever. Yeah. And you employ people as well. Yeah. So you've got a lot of people you look after. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So yeah there's so a fair bit going on, but it's not forever. We we do have a plan, I suppose. We, we've kind of been brought forward a little bit with yeah, what's going on. Downsize and just de-stress. Yeah, a lot yeah. of our patients find that, you know, they're, yeah. that maybe they've been a bit overcommitted or they've been you know, putting work way ahead of anything else for too many years and then you get this diagnosis and you get to reset and refresh and reprioritise. Oh, yeah, definitely. It throws a spanner in the works. I think probably that's probably one thing that we always have done because we do know a lot of people that work long hours and they never do anything, you know, they never go anywhere or they just build up these, you know, like they just all sock it away and then they're miserable. (laughs) <laughs> no, 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 we, 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 yeah, we've sort of well There's established. There's a lot to see in we, the world, so no, you have kind of got to... You know, so we've sort of, you know, we did our first world trip with our kids. I was 36. So we would rent renovate a house or something and that was kind of our reward. And I think that's sort of also what gives you a focus and gives you something to look forward to. And I think that was sort of, you know, our kids sort of got to see a lot of the places and... Yeah, that's just what we love. Some people don't like to travel, I understand that, you know, but for us that was what we wanted to experience and, and yeah, I think it just was probably what kept, what kept the yeah, fun. Get that that enduring, kept the fun. Yeah, that enduring. Like mateship. Yeah, it is, yeah. And then Work hard, play. And, you know, like, hard. you know, we have four great kids who all have four really good careers and, and yeah, you're and sort of proud of what you've achieved. No, they, they, they do, you know, they're all really good. And also I think that all those experiences that you have with them is like a common interest now, isn't it? it like is, you yeah. can all chat about that mm. and, you know. And what about you've got sons, like are they worried about this, about Yeah, they're health? kind of doing things now, getting all checked up and just, I don't know, creating like a thing with your doctors so you have got your blood test and all that kind in place. You just don't know. Yeah, yeah. and that's good. Mm. They're, like, they're probably looking at you going, yep. Jesus, Dad's a bit of a legend except... He yeah, gave us a bad genetic <laughs> lot. <laughs> well, I think, well, I think all my family genes are on my dad's side where I've kind of got this stuff. So hopefully all my my sons will take after my wife's side <laughs> yeah. uh, I think, um, and have those genes. Unfortunately, Harry's dad came out from Italy when he was 18 and so Harry never really got to see any of his dad's family and stuff like that so genetically what is on that side of the family we don't really know and Mm. there's also the communication they don't really speak a lot of English and stuff like that we've been over there to see them and just recently we found out only last week that 
one of Harry's cousins has just died. At, she was 57. So we seem to think that there's sort of... Because sometimes mantle cell can have a bit of a genetic link. And mm. so we seem to think that there might be something coming through on that side. But we don't really know because it's mm. the unknown. And, you, you know, a lot of Harry's <laughs> dad siblings have passed away now. I think there would probably only be maybe one left. Yeah, okay. So, But that's great. I mean, it's good if it's making your kids more proactive about, you know, because like as we're always going on about in this is that, Mm. you know, like as soon as you, if you get onto something earlier, you can definitely treat it. So, On on Harry's mum maternal site, there's three, Harry's (laughs) uncle died from prostate cancer at Mm -hmm. 50. Yeah, okay. That's Um, young. And he was... Wasn't he unwell for quite mm. some time? And back in those days, it, like he died prior to it, we got married. Right. And they then didn't think it could be prostate cancer because he was too young. But it and was. by the time they discovered that it was, it was too late. So mm. he died at just turned 50. Harry's granddad also died of prostate cancer and Harry's uncle has it, but he's still surviving it. He's 92. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's great that your kids yeah. are looking... Yeah. He's actually wanting one of those needles at the moment. <laughs> well, tell him he wouldn't be the oldest one that I have on my oh, books really? and he's very welcome to come and get one of those oh, needles wow. if he wants to, yeah. I'll tell him. Yeah, tell him that he's a bit of a spring chicken in yeah. my list of people. He, he was told in his day, because he, he came in to see Harry, <laughs> he came and he was told virtually to call in his wife and that was the end of their... Six days. Oh, I hope they gave him his last hurrah, did they? Yeah, gave him a warning? About 66, I think, at the time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah well, no, tell him yeah. it's not too late. If he's oh, got a lady's friend, he can come in and we can sort <laughs> him well, out. I'd be a bit afraid because he might go chasing for one <laughs> if he has got it. Because his, um, his wife died last year. Have you yeah. actually had that conversation with him? I have had the conversation it's where awesome. there yeah. is yeah. stuff you can do to this and that, but he, he's never said, oh, shit, get me onto that stuff, you know. But even that but you're having that conversation, I think that's beautiful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I've been tempted to give him one of mine, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to kill him. I think he'd need a bit stronger dose, to be honest, a bit stronger. Yeah. Actually, funny story about that. I had a guy in his 90s come in oh, a few months ago now and he came in on his like with his walking stick and – he was like, oh, you probably can't do anything for me. but And I was like, no, no, I can. I can teach you how to do injections. So I gave him his first injection and, my God, he was so excited, like beside himself with the fact that it went up. First time he'd seen it up in years and he was very yeah. excited about it. Anyway, as he left, he... He'd opened the door and then goes, do you want to have one last look, love? And I was like, no, thanks. Take it home and show it to your wife. And my next patient waiting was like a 25-year-old with premature ejaculation. He walks in and goes, what the hell was that old codger doing in here? I said, people are still doing it at that age. And he was like, God, there's hope for me yet. God, isn't that good, eh? (laughs) It's no problem. Good stuff. So so where to now? What's your plans for the future? Stay healthy. Yeah, (laughs) try and stay healthy one, yeah. Most probably, yeah, within a year and a bit, I think we'll, I'll pull the pin on the building and different things and just tend to take it a bit easier. Maybe do a three-month stint in Europe for a while. Great. Yeah, and then stock up on needles, I reckon. <laughs> 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 Only yeah, no, probably. Mm. I think probably the one thing we've learnt probably over the years is, is that life throws curveballs, mm. so you've got to take it and... Run with yeah. it, you know. So you've got to make the most. We're going to get teary, but you've got to make the most of it. 
Yeah, good on you. And you, the corner, right? and I think you both have. Like you've definitely made the most of yeah. it. Like you're both still obviously in love with each other. You still like each other, which is a yeah. massive bonus. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. It's it is. pretty good. And it's unusual. Yeah. You know, like you don't actually see that many couples that are together that yeah. long and still really yeah. like each other. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, you still find each other attractive, which is good. Yeah, considering <laughs> we are blind. <laughs> <laughs> I know Harry has a friend and he actually says, because he has been married a couple of times, and he said, if you two ever, ever split up, there's no hope for anyone. <laughs> that's what he always says here, which is, which is nice, yeah. yeah well, that's, that's a great compliment for people to yeah, observe yeah, that, like, like we both have. Mm. Yeah, so I think it's, I, th- I think you just, you've got to enjoy life and just make the most of it. And people don't, people just whinge about crap, you know. And I think unless you've probably had stuff in your life, I, I don't think people realise and I sometimes wish that they would because people just... Then they get the, a reality well, check, wouldn't yeah, they? Yeah, they get a reality yeah. check, yeah. you know, like it's just along the way, you know. You know, you probably had, you know, Harry's dad died young, 62, from cancer. Mm, you know, my dad was in his 60s, they had a bad car accident, ended up severely disabled. Mm. And so you've had lots of things like that and it just... Probably why we've endured, I suppose, because you just realise life's got to be lived. Yeah. And even though we've had these diagnoses, we don't tw- try and dwell on it, I suppose, because there's absolutely sweet FA we can do about it. Mm. So yeah. we've just got to move forward. Yeah. Just get up every morning and get going. Yeah, I yeah. think that's, that's what it is really. We just have to keep moving and doing things for, our, for ourselves and our kids and our little beautiful little grandchildren yeah because I think sometimes you see people waiting until they retire to like have fun and you just think what a shame because how often do you hear of people retiring and then they get an illness and they think like and you know it's much nicer to look back and go oh well I've actually had some great times and I've got some great memories and I've left those memories for my family then Yeah, yeah I think so like you know, Harry's dad always wanted to return to Italy, and he he was going always going to do it when he retired, and he died at sixty. He never got to. He no, never, never got, got there. To. He never got there. He never got to see his family again, or anything. So we went back, sort of on his behalf, a couple of years after he died. So we're the only ones in in Harry's entire family that have met that side, and you do have a strong connection. You know, there's similarities in features and personalities, and they're all the way on the other side of the world. So that's been really good, mm. yeah, really good for the kids and stuff as well to, to meet that. Yeah, yeah. and we're back, uh, back in yeah, Europe in August, so we hope to catch yeah. up on them again. So you'll be able to celebrate your one-year anniversary yep. of the surgery in August in Italy. That's it. That's I'll it. make sure I give you another needle with a happy smiley face <laughs> and a yeah. star to take. He's got to keep him cold on the way over. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Harry turns 60 in September and... Harry's having a big party Great. for his birthday. Excellent. Because we, you know, still kicking on. They have lots to celebrate. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. That'd be good. Have you got any more questions, Jojo? No. I've just been really enjoying listening to your story of togetherness, actually. Oh, and, cheers, Jo. And I probably want to say, like, like I want to thank you both. It's yeah. Tearing, but thank you both. Yeah. No, it has. It's been good. Really good. Absolute pleasure. It's been wonderful to get to know you both. And I really do think, and now I'm going to get teary <laughs> to you, but you are both an inspiration. So 
Cheers for that. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And we've really both enjoyed your humour along the way. All of all my notes have got lots of colourful language. <laughs> I couldn't quite sprinkle through the podcast, but it's 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 joy, it's sadness, it's life, isn't it? Oh, it is. Yeah, and I and I think like having sort of had this experience, I think you need to follow your own instincts. Originally, and I won't mention any names, but originally Harry was sent to another surgeon and we didn't feel comfortable with him. Mm. So we went back and we rang the original surgeon that had had for his testicular cancer because I always remember our GP saying years ago, there's some people I wouldn't send you to and this other person came highly recommended so that's where we went back to and that's how we ended up getting the younger surgeon for the robotics and it was the best decision we ever made. So I say to people, if you don't feel comfortable with a particular doctor or a specialist, just because they're a specialist, you have to feel comfortable with that person. And that's really, it was really important for Harry and for myself. I think that is really good advice because I think that we don't all click with particular people and this Mm. is, you know, your whole life. And Mm. I think it's easy for patients to think that health professionals are God and if that's you've been sent to it's what you have to do and I think not to think that and just to go this person isn't my thing I'm going to go yeah, somewhere else it's great like do you agree yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. that that gut instinct that you have and that rapport is so important you want to be able to ask questions and feel comfortable not rushed in and out of the room and yeah just yeah. to be treated like a whole person yeah because you you felt like that as well didn't you oh yeah definitely like when we met the surgeon who actually did the robotic thing he was just yeah, he was young, he was nice, and he just made you feel real comfortable. And even right virtually up until the operation and things like that, you know, he ended up using the razor and giving me a bit more of a touch-up because the actual, <laughs> the actual guy who did it didn't do a good job, so he kind of finished off. It was, yeah, it was good. That's because all the young guys, they have no pubes, you see, so everybody did look the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Manscaping. Yeah, they've yeah. all got their zillions mm. yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, so. nail polish on and all the bullshit these yeah, days. That's all. There's none of the surgeons paint their nails. Well, not when they're in no, surgery. Not when they do. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just think you know, if you can pass on anything, is that you have to stay positive. A lot of men, I'd, I think, are almost don't want to talk about it sometimes. Mm. And I think it's not the end of the world. But yeah, it's different. And you just have to accept it's, the yeah. difference. It's mm. like a new beginning. It's kind of, it is It is a lot different than how it was before, but you just got to make the most of everything. Mm. One of the slides I often put up in a talk is sex won't be the same after prostate cancer. Actually, I think I've changed it now to intimacy won't be the same after prostate cancer treatment, but it can still be good. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, <coughs> you've got to just yeah. make it good. Yeah, I think that's, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Mm. Well, thank you both again for coming. I really appreciate your time. It's great. Thank you for having us. Thank you, (laughs) Harry and Megan. Thank you. Thank you. I'm going to tell you about a boy who lives inside me. He's been there all of my life. Hi, I'm Melissa and I hope you enjoyed the podcast this week. Just a reminder, if you've been diagnosed with prostate cancer, I've built a penile rehabilitation program just for you. 
It's an online program packed with information, exercises and advice along with proven strategies that will get your penis back in working order as quickly as possible in about 15 minutes a day. If you like the sound of that, then please head over to penilerehabilitationprogram.com and you can start straight away or there's a link from the RS Health website. We would also love you to review and subscribe and share this podcast so we can help more men. Links to Instagram and Facebook are in the show notes. We look forward to seeing you there. So spread the word that help is available. All the best for now. Bye. I've got a boy of my own now. It fills me with pride. To see him growing so fast into a man. His victories become mine. I cry his tears. His love.